There we go. Thank you, sir. Let's free flow it, man, and, and see. Where, where do you want to fit? Where do you feel more comfy? I'll go over here. You want to go on the I'll get distracted if I can see the window. <laughs> what if it do we close the shutter? Yeah, no, you're probably not. <laughs> okay. I'll be looking at that. Jesus, is that a white burger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Right, okay, so uh, very privileged to have Andrew Cavanagh on the podcast today, Wife Winning. Uh, we're starting off in my house over here. Uh, Andrew is the founder of a company called Cavalier Productions, which does children's animation. Andrew, thank you to come to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you. In fact, actually, <laughs> funny story, last week when I put my article out on there, mm. I think you came back in about 20 seconds mm. and said, I'm in. Yeah. And I was, of all the people in, in Ireland that I wanted to come onto the podcast early, just like when um, James Corden started to do the Late Late Show in the America, he had David Beckham come in to kind of accelerate. So you're my David Beckham oh, going on okay. to, onto this podcast. So yeah. thank you. You're welcome. Um, we just talked just before. You were diagnosed 43 yeah. years old, the same as myself. Yeah. yeah. Tell me. Tell me a story. Well, do you want to, well, I suppose the diagnosis is probably the, uh, the key bit. So, I, you know, you, I'm going to have to warn you in advance, George, I, I do talk endlessly, so feel free to clink a spoon on a glass or something if I'm rambling. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was, uh, I used to, like you probably, I did a million jobs, um, but I used to teach in a college called uh, Dunleary Institute of Art, Design and Technology, just yeah. up the road. And... Uh, I had a colleague who was there at the time. He was kind of starting when I was finishing. Uh, Fred Herrera, he's a French-Canadian, Mexican uh, guy who lives in Ireland, um, or used to. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, so he had stayed in touch with me and I used to see him around the digital hub a bit. And he said to me, listen, you guys are doing front-end content for apps, aren't you? And I, we were kind of doing that. We had done a lot of it, but we were not doing so much at that point. So I said, look, tell me what it's about. And he says, I have this neuroscientist. Her name is Dr. Anya Behan. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, great one for your podcast. Wow. Um, and she is developing um, sort of a tech for kids with ADHD that uses Bluetooth technology from a consumer-grade headset that reads brainwave activity and transmits it to a phone. And when you, uh, I can't remember if it's beta, theta, or alpha, or whatever it was, but when, you, when you're in the relaxed state you know your brain transmits on a certain frequency that's picked up by the headset transmitted to the phone and there's a reaction within the game so the idea she was trying to do was to come up with a way of doing something that wasn't a medical therapy and leaning into what she called it neuro gaming you know mm. which is a big thing in the states right? yeah, huge, yeah. so um and this is like 10 years ago okay so this is right at the outset of all of that so I said, that sounds brilliant, right? And I, I just love learning about things. So yeah. I'll always kind of, I'll go after it because it sounds to me like something to do, um, you know, or something I want to know more about. So I met with uh, Anya and uh, she had this little kind of thing. She put the head, headset on me and I could see it. I could see the activity sort of leveling out when I relaxed and I'd done meditation um, for, for many years. So okay. I had... I could actually see the, the physical or the, the change, the graphic change. And I was like, this is amazing. So we did a very simple thing for her. It was called yoga mat. And it was basically a sort of fakir guy sitting on a, on a kind of little yoga mat. And uh, basically you have to make him levitate. And the only way of doing that was by hitting this relaxed sort of brainwave state. Oh, wow. So yoga mat would levitate or whatever. Now it never worked when I did it, right? I'd be showing people it and they'd be like, 
it just wouldn't work. But Anya had the magic touch, so it was. Uh, so so we did this. She actually wrote a, a, me a medical or scientific paper on it. I got my name on this because I had contributed to it. Yeah, yeah. Which I was able to show my mother and say, "Look, I finally did it. I I'm did something." Royal College of Surgeons <laughs> in Ireland. This certificate, my name on it. So won some sort of a prize, and, um, and but out of that, I started to think. I, I, I had formed an interest in ADHD then without knowing anything about it or even suspecting I had. And so I started to kind of look into it and, you know, do all those online surveys and whatnot. And I was like, this is uncomfortably close to the bone. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, my eldest child, who's now 14, was, I think he was in, uh, he was in Montessori at that point. Okay. And he was having, you know, he, you know, he was having difficulties, let's say. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I was seeing him at a very young age, just with, you know, social and communicative mm. uh, things, but also very, you know, what, what I thought was more kind of autism spectrum yes. uh, sort of behavior. But, you know, uh, too young to diagnose at that point. And um, so I said, I'll go, I'll try and find um, somebody and I'll test myself. I'll see if I have it. So 43 years old. I went on Google, I found this guy, David Carey, he used to do the show on Cruise Show, Lord rest and he's gone now. Uh, he would have been the absolute, you know, he would have been, if, if I'm Beckham, he would have been messy to get on your podcast. Yeah, he was yeah. an amazing guy, he was a New Yorker, absolutely, you know, salt of the earth man. Mm. Um, actually was, was one of the guys who advanced the study of ADHD when he was at the Freudle Institute. But anyway, he was, in a, he was living in Ireland and I went out to uh, see him we did the usual thing, you know, the fill out this form, you know, do these tests, you know, my wife had to do one, I had to do one. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I basically, you know, it was like the, the cartoon where the guy hits the hammer on the machine and hits the bell at the top, you know, it was like everything lit up. So I was like, there was no question, you know, um, that that's what was going on with me. So that was, yeah, that's seven years ago now. Seven years. Yeah. So, so what's very interesting is that point in time where you said, you thought your son might have it or he's yeah. beyond the spectrum. You'd yeah. never considered beforehand, reflectively looking back since the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. you, like myself, I, I remember being at school and being that naughty boy at school. Yes. But never knowing yeah. what ADHD was. Yeah. The moment I was diagnosed, I kind of reflected throughout oh, my life and went, yeah, oh, yeah. those incidences that happened yeah. were as a direct result of my ADHD. Did you have that yourself uh, or not? Oh, absolutely. Like, okay. You know, I, I was actually, I was so nervous that I wasn't ADHD. So <laughs> after I'd done the, the piece of research, I was like, you know, uh, I was, uh, if it's not that, what am I, you know? So uh, am I just kind of the scattiest person I know or what, you know? So the thing about it is, I suppose, is that, you know, you realize as well that, you know, there's been a, a certain kind of, what I'm doing, you know, my profession is a direct result of, uh, being distracted, right? So, you know, uh, I loved cartoons. They were short, they were punchy, they got to the point. Um, you know, you knew where you stood with them. Um, I, I was that distracted kid in school. I was always doodling in the margins of the copy book, yeah. getting sent to the corridor. You know, I mean, I, I, I avoided bullying by doing caricatures of my teachers and making the uh, bullies laugh. Um, so it, for me, it was all, it was, it, it was it, all of that that really contributed to me going into 
you know, initially animation and, you know, went then into TV production afterwards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, essentially now what I do is I create content for, for kids like I was. <laughs> it was that age, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, like, I mean, it, in that way, I've been very fortunate, I think, you know, because I don't, I've, I've known people in my life who haven't been as fortunate with it and, you know, fall on the, on the wrong side of the tracks, as it were, you know, um, because the things didn't pan out for them the way they did for me. Um, but I could, yes, I could look back. It was like looking back and it was like getting, um, yeah, it was like somebody having you instruction manual for your brain and going like, all right, so this is how that works. Okay. I didn't realize that was worded this way or that way or whatever it might be. Um, and like, you know, I suppose I, I was looking back at the screw ups, you know, I go like, oh my God, you know, now that makes sense. Yeah. And how could I ever have expected to do that? And what was I thinking trying this? And so on and so forth. So all of that stuff, personal, professional, everything all sort of slotted into place. Yeah. And I had this brief euphoria going, right, going forward, I will, you know, I will, I know how to do things now. Yeah. And I was like, okay, and then you take the next step and fall into a pothole. And it's like, oh, I still have it. <laughs> and it's going to keep happening. And it's just a, a question of like, yeah. all right, I just know that the potholes are coming now yeah, instead yeah. of just blindly falling into them. So, and it, it, yeah. it's, I, I don't know if this is an age thing or not, but actually what I tend to do is on those low days yeah. where I, I, I don't know how I tend to describe it is, on good days, I've got an IQ of about 140. Yeah. And on bad days, I have an IQ of 40. Yeah. Those are the days I medicate. Yeah. I don't medicate every day. Do you medicate yourself or not? Um, I do. Um, but I only just started this year. Uh, and the reason being that it was, uh, like anything else, the, the arcane mechanism you need to go through to, get, to, to receive medication was just too, uh, you know, gnarly for me to engage with. So a friend of mine, um, Alan, who, uh, like, I don't know if it's the same with you, George, but like so many people, like, because I spoke openly about this, so many people contacted me privately and then said, I might have this actually, you know, I heard your interview or I heard you talking or read your article. Um, and, you know, I think I'm at this stage, I'm into the kind of double figures of people who subsequently received diagnosis because they had a conversation with me. Um, so Alan was one of those, uh, he's also working my profession and he said, oh, I managed to do this. You go on doctor online and it's very, when I was diagnosed, uh, David Curry wasn't a clinical, uh, you know, uh, psychologist, uh, psych yeah, psychologist. Yeah. so he told me that straight up. He said, if you're looking for medication, I'm not your guy. Um, mm. so I had to get re-diagnosed um, and I was able to do it. It was right at the tail end of, I, I, it wasn't lockdown, but it was kind of close to the end of the last lockdown. Mm. And, uh, and I went, I just went on Dr. Online. Alan gave me a list. He said, do this, do this, do this, do this. I was like, great. I went on, I did it like, and you know, on a Monday, I did the, 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 the initial consultation and by Friday I had my meds. Okay, fantastic. But I don't take it every day. Same as me. Mm. Yeah. And, and it, I'll tell you why I don't take it every day. I think I explained between, because of the IQ thing. Mm -hmm. If I take medication when I'm having a a very good day and yeah. you know those days when it goes bang 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 and yeah. it works yeah, yeah if i take medication on those days it brings me down oh yeah i don't function as well mm -hmm. but on days when i'm down here mm -hmm. and i'm not talking about mood you know for those mm -hmm. who are listening in it, it's not a mood it's a capability thing for me mm -hmm. and and being a creative person mm -hmm. i suspect that's probably much more important in your mm -hmm. sphere mm -hmm. than it is in mine mm -hmm. um but for me 
even down to my ability to read, do fundamental mathematics, is very difficult for me on those days. Mm. So medication actually helps me mm. in, in to concentrate long enough. Otherwise, I'm like a butterfly. I'm just floating around, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, what's very interesting, though, is just coming back to your profession. Mm. And, you know, the purpose of the, the Wired for Winning podcast is really to understand those who have been successful in spite of the the, the the condition of ADHD, because I hate that phrase, because when you look out at the world and you see the number of people in the world who exist, who are very good at what they do. I mean, Dave Pilkey in your yeah. sphere, yeah. 200 million copies of, yeah. of Dogman and, yeah. you know, Captain Underpants and everything you've done with, you know, with Kiva and, you know, all the stories that you've written and the IMDb stuff is, the, that I've just read in the last few days is, is kind of incredible. What is it that, that that condition gives you as an individual that allows you, is it hyper-focus? Is it just the, your ability, this lights me up, this gives me a buzz, and I can really laser focus? Mm. Or is there, is there something else? Is there some other key aspect to, mm. to the ADHD that, that lets you be you know, that person that, yeah. that delivers that stuff? Yeah. I mean, look, what I do is so collaborative. Like, so there is so many people involved in, from the time it has you know, hatched in my head to ending up on a TV screen, which takes years and years. Um, but, you know, it's not all me. It's like there's hundreds of people involved in that and getting it to that stage. Right. So I, for, the first thing for me is the idea has to be, um, has to be a big enough and a sustaining enough idea that I can not only keep myself interested in it for that duration, but also get everybody else jived up about it, you know, as well. Okay. And like keep that going. Um, for God knows how long, you know, and I, like if I have an idea like that, I will keep going forever with it. Um, I, own, I, I suppose that the, the thing is, if I'd known how difficult that nation was when I started it, I probably would have run a mile, you know, because I would have went, oh my God, this is insanely, you know, difficult to put together. Okay. You know, the market is constantly in flux, you know, the chances of getting anything through are next to zero. But um, the ADHD for me has always been a kind of, it's like seeing the destination, but not knowing how you're going to get there. And just, um, you know, if you run up against a brick wall, like just bulldozing through it to get to the destination. So it's very single minded for me. And I, I learned to trust that now because I don't know for you, George, but like for me, sometimes I would start something, you know, I, in my, before I had the diagnosis, like, you know, I'd come home, like, uh, when I lived at home with my parents, you know, and uh, I'd have bought a violin, you know, somebody had sold me, like walking down the street, I'd have bought a violin or I signed up to act in a play yeah. or something like that. And my parents would be like, why do you keep doing this? You know, you're like, you start like that violin will never get used. And they were right. <laughs> I'd be like, I pictured myself as Sherlock Holmes, you know, saying, looking at rainy Baker Street and, you know, whatever, yeah. like, you know, or Vivaldi or yeah, something. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd be like, this is too hard. I'm not doing that, right? And animation is a bit like that violin. Like, you know, except I suppose for me, it was like, I, I kind of, I'm also, like I'd started and I wanted to persist with it. And I got an early, um, early on in my, my career, I got a, a great opportunity to work with um, Brian Keenan, who was a hostage in the Lebanon, yes. you know? And like yeah. that for me, that was the, the shot in the arm that kept me going, like for through many hard years, because meeting him, you know, uh, recording with him and uh making that short film it's 25 years ago this year you know and um, that was 
just an extraordinary experience and you know in quite a short period of time and um, well it, it felt like a short period of time because I enjoyed it you know and we were in the IFI in Temple Bar and he was sitting beside me and you know I'm looking at this thing on the screen and I'm like and he's and the guy who inspired was beside me I'm like oh my god and I'll tell I'll tell you the story I, I, I've told a few people this publicly um <laughs> Never, never on on tape. This is one of the things I warned you about. No, it's okay. I'll tell you how I met Brian Keenan. Um, was <laughs> and this is so ADHD. You're gonna, you're gonna absolutely love this. <laughs> so the Screen Ireland used to be called the Irish Film Board, and uh, they uh, they started a thing around '94, '95 called Frameworks. Okay. And it was uh, a grant to make a short film. So I was like, I'm gonna apply for that. Yeah. So I'd been reading An Evil Cradle by Brian Keenan and I went, this is great, there's a bit in this I really like. And so I wrote an application on my old word processing typewriter, you know, and pasted yeah. in, yeah. pasted in the drawings, went down the reads, photocopied it, you know, it's good, yeah, yeah. sent it off. And then I got shortlisted for, um, for, for an interview. Um, Super. And I was like, wow, you know, and they said, now just make sure, you know, by the time the shortlists, uh, your shortlist interview that you have the option, the signed option. And I was like, okay, no problem. I hung up and I was like, what's an option? <laughs> I was like, all right. So I'm like, so, <laughs> so I called a few people and they were like, are you done with the option? You know, I was like, no. And they were like, oh, I was getting all these suggestions. Make it about a different hostage. Make it about a fictional. I can't do that. It's Brian Keenan, right? I mean, he's going to know I ripped off his idea. So I'm there like agonizing over this and I'm t I get the number of his agents and his agent is like, sorry, you know, I, I don't think we can do this or whatever. You know, I'm like, oh crap, you know? So I'm like, uh, so I, I, my girlfriend at the time, for some reason married me. Um, she and I went to see a movie in the, in the IFI. Okay. And it was called Western. It was a French movie and it was kind of a buddy movie, road movie. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and she's like, you are right. Cause I was really, really distracted. I said, yeah, I'm just worried about this. Look at this interview, like in two days, you know, with the Arts Council RT and the, and the Irish Film Board. And uh, she said, yeah, I just can't, I don't know how to sort this thing out with the option, you know? Uh. So I'm, I'm looking everywhere but at the screen. And, and I'm looking around at four rows in front of me. I see Brian Keenan. You're joking. No. He was there. He was there, right? So I was like, <laughs> what? She's like, he's here, he's here, you know? So I was like, oh my God, and I couldn't, I just seized up, I couldn't talk to him, whatever. And like, as soon as the movie ended, I ran into the, the toilet, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I'm there in the toilet, and Brian Keenan comes up to the beside me, and I'm like, I have, to say it. I have to say something, right? So I just there, you know, standing in the toilets of the IFI, and I said, listen, I really need an option on your book. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at me, and he's like, who are you? And I said, I, I was trying to explain, I just all oh, came out in one go, I, said, right, I just applied for this thing and I got shortlisted and like they looked at me for an option and he goes, oh, he says, I'll give you my number, come outside and give him my, his number. I call him the next day and, you know, he sorted out the option, like, you know, um, but it was, that's how my career started. In the most ADHD way possible. It couldn't be. That's <laughs> yeah. an incredible ADHD story. Yeah. But it's it's the coincidences, right? The, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The tenacity that just comes out. And like you say, the bulldozing through yeah. just to get to yeah. your goal. Ah, oh, Andrew, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's just... Tell me, ju just moving the subject slightly from the great stories yeah. of, you know, the fun that we have and, and the highs and the lows... What do you think makes the difference between 
and, and success is a very subjective thing, okay? Mm. You know, if I, if I put somebody like a, a movie star or a great scientist or, or something on a plinth and you go, oh, you know, wow, their life must be incredible. We, we often see the top of the iceberg, but not the 80% below yeah. the surface. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's, what do you think, you know, I, I know certainly from my own experience, my life could have gone in two directions. Yeah. It could have gone seriously south in mm. the wrong direction. Mm. And it, it didn't. And I often look back at my life. And, and the purpose, by the way, and I'll share this, with, because I'm doing the podcast, is because I feel that I'm fortunate, but I've never understood that particular point in time where my life took the, the good, successful trajectory. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a view on that for yourself and, and where that was? Or, 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 or did you not have that tangential point in your life? Was it always going to be creative? Was it always going to be, you know, in a particular industry, whether it was playing the violin or, 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 or you know, how did that turn out for you? No, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a failed archaeologist in a way because that's what I wanted to do. Um, I saw Indiana Jones when I was about 10 and I went, I'm doing that. That's for me. I want to swashbuckle and dig holes. Yeah. Um, which I did a lot of digging holes when I was a kid. I was always doing that, coming home with bags full of crockery that I dug up. In the local estate and I was like that's that I saw a profession for myself because it was good at digging <laughs> <laughs> and finding crap and bringing it home and I thought I'm like, there's a guy who's successful look the guy in the hat with the whip yeah yeah so I went no I'm gonna do that and then I, I've always had a, a, a this abiding interest in archaeology and I was like uh you know I applied for UCDA to do archaeology and um I think uh I, I also applied for Ballyfermot to do the foundation year and drawing you know and animation drawing so I got both and I went you know what I'll, I might just do a year in Ballyfermot um to uh to just just decompress after the leaving cert because the leaving cert for me was like a you know it was like one of the seven marathons just trying to get through uh, I, I knew it would breeze through an English art they were my strong subjects always were mm. uh, but everything else was hard you yeah because everything else was like you know awful kind of thing where I just couldn't focus on it. Excruciating um, was my word for that. Excruciating, yeah. excruciating. Yeah. And I, you know, followed the advice, do one science, one business, one techno, or one, um, you know, uh, one art subject. And, you know, I was like, I should not have done that. I should have, I was really good at history and geography. I should have done those. But I took, did economics and physics, right? Yeah. Because it yeah. seemed like the good thing to do. Yeah. So I bombed in both of those and math and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. But, uh, so I thought after that experience, right, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go, and it was besides where I lived, so I was like, I could cycle to it, and go down there, draw pictures uh, for a year, and then I'll go and do archaeology, I'll defer for a year. Mm. So I went to college, I discovered girls, I discovered drinking, uh, I discovered, you know, partying and all that kind of thing, and I went, I just had the sense that if I went to... <laughs> <laughs> or I probably would have had a great time in UCD, but like, but I was like, this is art. I like art college. You yeah, know, something, yeah. something blossomed in that year, you know. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, okay, I'm staying here, and that's when it started to get hard, you know, because yeah. animation. I think you know the foundation year, you're doing a little bit of everything. When you actually get into learning animation, it's an interminably long process, or it was, you know, because you have to do like twenty four frames per second individual image for that. So it wasn't very ADHD friendly. Right. Um, so I, I did find you know I, I was good at it but like it was it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to mm. be so uh, so I always knew at some point I was going to sidestep out of it and right. do another thing in the creative profession 
So it only took, it was, yeah, I mean, less than 10 years I was kind of, yeah. I, you know, I, I stopped being an animator. I was an animator for a couple of years, I had good fun. But um, but I, I, I was writing more and, you know, went back to college, did a master's in screenwriting, which I loved. And, uh, and then, you know, picked up the production stuff as I went along. Mm. And, you know, the core of my work now is development. So that's great because it's the genesis of the idea. Mm. So collaborating with people on that, that's, that's where I really like to be. So the start, building the momentum and then releasing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. an ideal yeah. place for an ADHD person to be, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the, uh, as opposed to kind of the, 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 the finishing and the, the final touches and stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd yeah. be yeah. awful in that direction. Yeah. But the idea, the transition yeah. stuff with the mergers and acquisitions that I do yeah. in my day job, you know, yeah. is, uh, is kind of that idea foundation, essentially. Yeah. Tell me, again, again, just not prying too much, but... You know, you know, you go to college, you, you discover girls, you know, party and stuff like that. Before I was diagnosed myself, I, you know, the drinking was a huge deal. Yeah. The partying, the high that I would get yeah. from partying on a Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. was was kind of became at that point in my life one of the most important parts of my life. Mm. Not to the point of drink being a problem. Um, but just because the high that I got from it yeah. was so overwhelmingly exciting. Yeah. Did you, and, and looking back on it now for myself, yeah. it was a time of self-medication, I suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Was, did you have a similar experience or, or not? Or? I, well, I, I did. I was, I, I, unfortunately, again, I dodged the ball there because I had a brother who was an alcoholic and most likely ADHD as well. And when he passed away at, at the age I'm at now, okay. now he, had, he had other problems. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, we were very similar types. He was a bit more serious than me, I think. Um, but he, he kind of, I suppose what we shared was that, uh, alcohol removed. I was, I was kind of an introverted kid. I don't know if you find that hard to believe, George. But yeah, I was, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> I was sort of a late extrovert, really, you know. But I was, uh, yeah, I was a late bloomer in that regard, but I was quite introverted. I, I didn't drink until I, I was nearly in my twenties. You know, I was, I was a geek. Hmm. So, I mean, my, my highs in my teens were coming from, you know, like tw 12 hour marathons on the 48k spectrum playing hmm. bootleg, you know, bomb jack and regular and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. I, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier on that, um, you know, me and my mates were all the outsiders. We were all the kind of nerds. And um, it's, it's amazing like, how many of us have since been diagnosed with something, you know, um, we're all on various spectrums. Um, I guess one guy holding out out of the original guy. He he's just not bothered. He's not bothered. Um, but yeah, but everybody else has been diagnosed with ADHD or autism or ADHD. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but so I that was my my dopamine fix. And then when I did kind of start drinking and stuff, it did remove that inhibition. Um, and you know, I became sort of I I sort of look. I don't I don't look back on it as a bad thing because it never got out of control for me. Do you know what I mean? It was um, the only the only time I really kind of I found it was for me it was got kind of going a bit too uh, too much was during COVID. Okay. Know? Yeah. COVID because I never I did not know when it was going to end, and I thought you know what I'm gonna party. We're locked down for two weeks. I'm gonna have a bottle of wine every night or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, you know I got it, and then I was like, oh, it's going on for another two weeks. Oh well. <laughs> have another bottle of wine. Yeah. So and then I was like, okay, you know I have to get this you know, sort of locked down because this is not working out. And also because of COVID, like I was kind of 
I wasn't at the gym, I wasn't doing things I normally do, so I wasn't getting, you know, the balance of activities or, or outlets. So, yeah, uh, that's a big deal. It's never, it's never, I've never had, and my family's, you know, you know my dad's side of the family is a lot of alcoholics on his right. side. And actually, you know, both sides really. So I, I don't know, I do have an addictive personality, um, but I've been fortunate that I've been able to sort of, you know, satiate that uh, through other activities. And that's, as I said, I, as I blossomed as an extrovert later on, I did that by going on stage and stand up, I did, I was in global gospel choirs. I, you know, I used to do, I, 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 I like a little bit of everything, but it was like, okay, it was a smorgasbord, you know, right yeah. away through my twenties, which measured it when a lot of people were just drinking yeah, or going yeah. to, you know, whatever, looking at sports or whatever. I was never into sports. No. So I never got into that kind of like drinking all day thing that other people did yeah. um, around a big game or something like that. So I was always looking for the fix elsewhere. You okay. Know? Yeah. That and that sense. was usually by showing off, <laughs> you know, or doing something outrageous, outrageous. Or, yeah, yeah some yeah, crazy yeah. idea yeah to, 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 to following show it, to following it yeah 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 can i just like there's a couple of other areas of adhd that um you know i i have myself and and others do as well um one is something called rejection sensitive mm. dysphoria yes is that now i kind of equate that sometimes to um imposter syndrome which yes. is kind of a bit similar i kind of feel i'm an imposter most of the time a lot of people in the world do yeah. i'm at the age now where i don't give a fuck yeah. genuinely anymore yeah. yeah um but the rejection sensitive dysphoria is that something that you have experienced or not mm. is there anything you want to share on that subject? Or? Absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's something that I mean, you know, I've developed uh, somewhat of a thick skin to, um, but it, it it doesn't go away. You know, it's like it's no. something that um, you know I'm dealing with something at the moment which I'm I'm quite sensitive about. You know, which I completely understand the reasons why um, you know it's not going ahead in the way that I expected. But at the same time, I'm taking it personally, you know. So I never really get away. And I, I suppose the thing about it is I'm able to function yes. uh, with it. Yes. But I get that four o'clock in the morning. I wake up like you know, with the sort of like staring at the ceiling, and then it all hits me like presses down on me, you know. But I've I've had that all my life, and I, I think I was very sort of uh, affected by it as a as a younger man, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and certainly in my teens, and um, it would have been something that I felt quite acutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, as you know, I, I remember the first job I had in animation. I went to um, I worked for Brown Bag and the Cahill, who was my boss there. He uh, he had this file in his uh, in his filing cabinet with PFO on the file. I said, "What does that sound for?" And he says, "Please, off, right?" And it was all his rejection letters, right? All his rejection letters that he got. And I looked at it and I was like, I was like. That was very inspiring to me, actually, you know, because, well, it was a great company to work with, but, um, you know, those guys are incredible, but, like, the, uh, but I, I was just stunned by somebody who was able to stick their neck out to the extent that they had that many rejection letters, and not, and, and be able to laugh it off, like, you know, just file them all with PFO, yeah. um, and, it, you know, just, uh, that, that kind of, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to have a bash, you know, myself. And I was like, it wasn't short, shortly after that that I started Cavalier, so it was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I, I knew that was the, the impediment yeah. to a lot of things. I knew all my goals and aspirations were on the other side of that 
very substantive hurdle, you know, which was the rejection, the fear of rejection, yeah. the sensitivity to rejection. Yeah. And there are still certain things like, you know, um, that I want to do and I'm sort of have that, you know, yeah. that I, I feel like, oh man, you know, like I wrote a novel during lockdown, you know, and I was like, and I'm like, I actually got managed to get an agent as well without having ever published anything. But, uh, but have I sent this to anybody? No. And it's, I'm really kind of, I've still got that fear that, you know, of getting those letters, even though I'm so used to getting them in my work. In your work yeah, yeah. environment. But we share, like, this is it's shared pain in work, you know, because there's like dozens yeah. of us involved. Yeah, yeah. So, so we all feel a little sting. Right. But if I wrote a book and it was just me and, uh, you know, it was yeah. like if it, went, if, if it got rejected, it would all be on me. Yeah, yeah. Then it's kind of, I still have that, yeah. That's interesting. I published a book, self-published a book recently about um, digital nomadism. Okay. You know, the, yeah, yeah, these yeah. people, so during COVID, yeah. um, up until COVID, it was kind of 20-somethings going off to beaches in Bali and working on digital marketing. And then after COVID, families started doing it. I was kind of fascinated by this paradigm of, you know, families uprooting their kids and homeschooling and going to these exotic places to live for lower cost and stuff yeah. like that. So I wrote a book about it and I think I've sold on Kindle publishing maybe 10 copies, right? They're probably all my mum has bought them, I'd yeah. say, you know, and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but what I noticed is, is I'd be terrified. And I just said, George, just press the button, Yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like... Um, a couple of weeks ago, last week, when I, I published out the article on LinkedIn yeah. to my LinkedIn family. Hey, now I talk about ADHD openly to employers, to mm. customers, to friends mm. and acquaintances openly. Now, 50% probably don't care. 50% go, ah, that explains some of his blurting behavior yeah. and stuff like that. But for you, you know, you are successful, right? And I know that's a subjective thing. You know, you, you go onto the internet, some of that work that you've done is phenomenal. There's something else inside of you that allows you to do that. And I, I kind of, I believe it's ADHD, mm. right? I, but, but, you know, maybe it's just he, being a human being mm. that is just very good at something. Or you, you're able to hold the magnifying glass still enough to burn through the paper because mm. if you keep moving it, it won't burn mm. through. Mm. You know, th there's very positive aspects to ADHD that have allowed you to get to where you are. Are you in control of your ADHD now? Do you think, do you, do you, like you said earlier on in the podcast, you know, you'd learn to become thick-skinned about rejection sensitive dysphoria mm. because it was a shared experience. You'd, you'd learned to glide over the potholes, I think was the mm. phrase that you used. Mm. So you, you, you kind of, like, I have a friend who, he can't read. He's mm. my age, he cannot read. And yet if you met him, you wouldn't know that he couldn't read mm, mm -hmm. because he's developed these techniques, mm. these tools mm. to get around that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think probably I have over the mm. years learned, you know, to, to, to overcome them. Just like your thick skin and your gliding over the potholes, what other aspects of your ADHD do you use to your advantage? Mm. I, I, it's a long question, yeah. but it's kind of where I'm trying to get to the nub of, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Well, to answer your, your first question, am I in control? If the routine is maintained, 
Yes, right. I actually surprise myself how organized I am, right, when I've got my routine. Okay. The thing is, I hate routine, right, and I will get, even though it's beneficial to me, I need to have breaks in the routine, um, which are complete breaks from the routine, in, in, in every sense of the word. Um, otherwise, the routine will not be maintained. Uh, even if it's the best system in the world, my toolbox is fantastic. I need to F it up every now and again and just go off the map. Deliberately. Deliberate. Well, I mean, luckily for me, it's kind of part of my job, right? So I'm, the, I'm also on the kind of sales end of things. So we go out and pitch. So there's nothing I like more than the, the dopamine hit I get from standing in front of a room with people and just opening my mouth and yes. not knowing what I'm going to say, right? For, <laughs> And people say to me, it's an hour, you know, you're doing this for the next hour, you prepared, I was like, hmm. I lied to people, I do, but I do tell little white lies, I say, yeah, 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 it's all under control, I have no idea, I half the time, I, I love that, right, okay, so I'll get up and I'll talk, I, you can give me anything, I'll, I'll pitch it, okay, so, and then I like the interaction with people, so I've just come back from uh, two trips this month, I went to Warsaw for, for a conference and then I was in Cannes. And, you know, I, I was going from, like, 8.30 in the morning till 5 a.m. for four days, okay? And I did not, my mouth did not close for that duration. I was talking to somebody, I was either doing some work or on a call or in a meeting or, you know, uh, you know networking or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Or singing badly in, you know, 3 a.m. in a karaoke bar. But there was something coming out of my mouth the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And I was, that that's what I need. And so my, you know, I'm, uh, like... We talked about this earlier, but like the, the half the entertainment industry have ADHD, whether they know it or not. Um, and there wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't have content if it wasn't for these people. And they're all the same. We're all in this kind of like moon cycle of like, we, you know, we have these kind of like breaks in our routine where we just, you know, we, we let it all loose, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's a really important thing. And I've completely forgotten the other part of your question. No, no that's okay, because <laughs> strangely, I've, I've gone off yeah. into another question now as well, which <laughs> is this great, two, two ADHD, yeah, 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 right? It's, it's like, oh, it's dot, 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 yeah, here no, we go. No but but I, I yeah. get the break from routines, because yeah. sometimes I'll, I'll say, oh, Jesus, actually, yeah. I'm going to visit a customer here, or I'm going to the gym, or yeah. I'm working upstairs, and then I'll wake up one morning and go, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down to the ferry port, mm. and I'm going to jump on the Dublin to Hollyhead ferry with my mm. laptop today, mm. and I'm just going to sit at the other side and catch the same one coming home. Wow. And I even, I'll even, I've even flown on an aircraft to yeah. Poland, or yeah. I've gone to Iceland, or I've gone yeah. somewhere else, to no other point to... Get off the other side and walk out the door. Come back on the same place, yes. same seat, yeah. and I just had my laptop with me because I can think. Yeah, and I have a friend, Peter Shankman, who runs. Uh, oh, do you know Peter Shankman? Yeah, Peter Shankman's a good okay. friend of mine. You know Peter? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, fantastic. And fantastic. he's got a great podcast, Faster Than Normal. Everybody, yeah. uh, really good podcast. Yeah. Phenomenal marketer, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah Public yeah. speaker. Yeah. He won't mind me saying this consummate bullshitter yeah. but a very good quality person yeah, for, yeah, for that sort of thing yeah. run shank mines and so on and so yes, forth yeah. and it's in hell's kitchen in manhattan if you're ever yeah. over there yeah. right if you're ever in manhattan i'll hook you guys up which is uh, my passport yeah <laughs> should we go yeah right? let's go. <laughs> turn that off yeah exactly turn it off and we'll go right now <laughs> right? that's the adhd yeah. thing that's let's it. go right now yeah, yeah, yeah. but the question is is for the most part when when you're not breaking the, the cycle of being organized yeah what 
is that for you? What is a, a typical day in your in your life that, that allows you to maintain mm. those dopamine levels? Mm. You, you know what I mean by that? I, right? Yeah, I, I only hit on this after the diagnosis because I, I, I hated gyms, I hated exercise, I'm not, a, I'm not interested in sport. Um, so I was always in my head, I was constantly in my head, you know. Uh, so I, around 10 years ago, I, I signed up for high intensity, whatever training. Yeah. I do coaching in Bagot Street. And uh, and that was great because 20 minute workout, uh, you do it like every weekday, I would go in, I would do 20 minutes and it was like to the maximum of your ability. So you get this big, you know, um, amazing sort of refocus. I also around the same time I started yoga um, and uh, and I also started, like I like to sing, so I, I, I was doing three things. I found three things that I did externally that was the same, right? Which was actually really good for, you know, I, I found really, really good for the other aspects of my work when I'm talking, public speaking and so on. Um, so I had, I, you know, I had three little things that, that were like, okay, I'm getting something almost spiritual from the singing, something physical and, you know, chemical from the exercise and something very therapeutic from the yoga. And I did that for seven years and okay. then COVID hit, right? And it was only when COVID hit and the, the routine was, the, I want to talk about the positive aspects of the routine. It was only when COVID hit and all of that got turned upside down that I realized how far from, how I, there, no other routine would suit me. I had mm. to get back to that routine. Mm. So it's only this year really that I've managed to kind of get all of those three things back in place. The other thing for me is the drawing, which was the thing I trained to do as a, you know, in college. Um, you know, getting back into drawing and trying to draw every day. And I don't mean on an iPad or anything or in a computer, but like ink, dirt, inky fingers, you know, making a mess, that kind of thing. The fundamentals going back to what you do. Fundamental thing. You yeah. seem to produce, a tra- the, the, you know, I follow you on Facebook and uh, and now actually on TikTok. You oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not many of us there, George. <laughs> it's like, I, give me a big list of my friends on TikTok and it's all just an icon photograph with no videos. But yeah, you're, at least you're putting stuff up there. Like, you know, I don't it's know, like, it's all rubbish though, to be fair. Yeah, it I mean, is. It's just, but know. there's some very funny stuff as well. <laughs> there is some very funny stuff. But you, you're yeah. producing, you, you, your job is that yes and, and and you've expanded that horizon hugely as you said into pitching new business and, and 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 being the businessman and the founder that you so clearly are and yet you've got this innate passion for drawing and i remember i think it was around covid or before and i remember you you posted something around putting cartoons on your children's oh, lunch bags yeah, yeah, yeah lunch bags that yeah, was yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. so there's something inside here that's so innate and i think that's the one thing that allows somebody to be successful when their job is their hobby you know so the singing the the working out but the drawing and the way you do that is is kind of incredible in itself i mean where do you get those ideas from where do they do they come from somewhere or are you just constantly making lists or Um, how does that work so I mean, what I'm doing at the I suppose with the drawing at the moment, what I'm doing is, uh, it, for me, it's it, I, I know it's a meditation, you know, that's what it is. So what I was doing, I suppose, was prior to that, I do it for an hour before I go to bed, right? So I right. sit on the couch. I basically, I haven't seen a TV show in about seven years. I've heard them. Because it's on the TV, but I'm not looking at the TV. 
Thanks. I'm crying. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm listening to The Bear on Disney Plus, which is great. Yeah. It's brilliant. The audio is fantastic. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what they look like. but um, So I've been listening to that. It's like the, the archers every night in my house. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm just drawing, but it's it winds the brain down. So no matter what I've been doing up until then, I have to do something that involves the... It's a focus exercise. So for me, it's like, okay, it's and high... Uh, can't say it. Eye hand coordination, okay? okay? And focusing on something and trying to improve it and making modifications and so on. It doesn't really matter what I'm drawing. So it's not even ideas-based. It's more observational. So that's that's what I'm doing for that. On the On the... The cartoon side, it's just, it can be anything. And it's usually, like for me, the best ones are the the sort of, um, you know, the, the overlapping of two completely separate ideas that when they overlap, there's some absurdity in it or there's something unique in it. Something ironic or... or yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. the two th Yeah, it's like just... Um, it's uh, Somebody described this to me years ago. It's like, what, what, what you know, they were asked a uh, child psychologist, they were asked a... Uh, you know, how do we make shows for like three and four year olds, you know, and like, and then psychologists say, well, what makes your, your toddler laugh? And say, oh yeah, if I put my underpants on my head or if I put something on my head that's not meant to be on my head, yeah. like, which we all did, I used to do it with a cat, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, like, you know, you pick something up and they, the toddler will just fall around laughing. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. You know, yeah. it's just the idea of something not being where it's not meant to be. <laughs> it's just innately funny to that mind. <laughs> But I don't think it ends the toddlers. I think it goes all the way all the through, way. right? All the way yeah. through. Absolutely, yeah. That and really jokes, right? You know, oh, yeah. These yeah, are the, yeah. the two enduring sort of things that we... we yeah, know. definitely. But, yeah, so I think there's something, just, I mean, in the very fundamental of that, yeah. like, you know, that, that odd sort of, you know, juxtaposition of things. So I kind of looking for those things for the cartoon ideas, you know, okay. just things that are kind of slightly out of place or... And I'm working on a, I'm working on a, my first adult animation show uh, at the moment, um, concept for that. And it's exactly it. It's like I actually distill that into a format. Okay. So, but for grown-ups, and if it works for if it works in this format, then I'll improve the uh, toddler silly thing in your head thing works for hundred percent twenty five rounds. I think no, I think that's actually uh, perfect. Yeah. Just just coming back to the meditation thing for a second. Yeah. Personally, I have achieved what I call a calm meditative state in my life. Mm -hmm. Half a dozen times. Okay. But listening to you talk about, you know, the bear on Disney Plus there, yeah, and you yeah. say, I, I couldn't tell you what they look like. It seems that you're reaching this this calm state. Yeah. Is that just through daily practice? Or, mm. or, or first of the question yeah. is, are you achieving that meditative mm. state? Or are you still trying to get there? And mm. two, do you practice that consistently every day? No, <laughs> I should. It's like it's like a lot of things that are good for you. I don't do them. Um, I I'll tell you how I got into meditation was I got uh, it was again it was the ADHD. I was I was walking through. I used to live in Templebar, mm. and I was uh, perfect. So I was there, and I saw this thing like Buddhist Tibetan Buddhist retreat on Inishir, and I was like, I've never been to Inishir. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I took you know, the tear the thing off of the phone number. Yeah. So I, I did, I rang up and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll go down to that, you know, because um, it just seemed like a good idea in the spur of the moment. So I ended up like uh, getting the bus down to Galway, then into, you know, the ferry and went to the shear, didn't know anybody. And it was three days of, started on the Friday and then it ran through to the Sunday afternoon. And it was like 10 hours a day, right, of like sitting there, like, you know, some um, Tibetan Buddhist uh, she was a nun actually 
uh, and like we were all sitting on the floor or lotus position, like whatever it was, you know. But I was like, I spent two and a half days, uh, in just with sort of numb buttocks and you know no, totally distracted, no sense of what I was doing, how to get into it. I was trying to force myself into it. It was like shoehorning. So the, the way to achieving this is through effort. But of course, it was exactly the opposite. It was the, the opposite thing. And as soon as that, and that was the thing for me. On the third day, in typical fashion, like an hour before the end of the, the, the last session, it just all slotted into place. And as soon as I was going, like, I just let go of the effort of trying to meditate. That, you know, I just, it was like a, just an incredible, you know, sort of, um, you know, profound experience, I would say. Right. Um, and the, the thing about it is, I was able to then achieve that at will you know I thought if I'm going to do this again I'm, I don't want to have to spend three days trying to get into this date but I found I was able to remember what it was that I had done and how I had how I had kind of whatever gear I changed or whatever track change was in my mind and I was able to kind of replicate that and it was massively beneficial to me but I, I would I got into I suppose I got into the habit of only doing it when I was at absolute you know maximum stress so I wasn't doing it as, you know, as a practice at all. I was doing it as a, as a kind of a cure mm-hmm. for, you know, when I, when I just burnt out to the degree that, you know, my brain was, was like completely like the, the Christmas lights, you know, when you're trying to untangle them, I, I, it would get me out of that. So, um, but I think, you know, now I don't get into that state quite as much, right? I don't get as uh, frazzled as I used to. Um, and so... But at the same time, I do use the breathing technique, but I don't go into, like, I don't do, a, you know, it's just for me, it's kind of like, it's still half an hour that I, that I, I could be doing something else, you know, or it could be an hour that I could be doing something else. Yeah. But I do it at night. I do it like 10 minutes at night. Okay. Like, you know, because that's all I can do that, you know. Have you ever tried Wim Hof breathing? Are you no. familiar with him? I, I know who he is, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. an interesting one. It's, it's, uh, yeah. That gets me to nearly that calmness of where that disappears yeah. you, you know the one right yeah, I do. but uh, but with that profound experience you're talking about I'll, uh, I'll I may have to go and disappear and, and go and do that yeah. myself actually it sounds yeah. very interesting just on food nutrition is there any aspect of your life with ADHD that you is there certain foods that you eat that exacerbate it is there certain foods that you eat that don't do you eat well? Do you eat not eat well? Or do you just not care? How, how does that work for you? And has that been part of your life since diagnosis as well? Yeah, because I mean, I think up until, you know, up until my early 40s, I was, I was overweight, you know, I, like from the age of like eight or nine. Mm. I, was, I was, you know, I was a bit 17 stone um, when I was entering my 40s. And, uh, you know, uh, very unhealthy, you know, in terms of nutrition and so, you know, and it, it sort of crept up on me, you know, it was just like over the years, you know, like, oh, you know, just get another two inches on the jeans or whatever it was. And I would, you know, that was, uh, that was my routine. So when I actually, when I started the gym in Paducah, like they, uh, they give you a nutrition plan. So, uh, I did follow it, um, kind of more or less for about two years, mm. you know, and I got down to like, you know, I was skinny as, as, as hell, you know, um, and, uh, you know, then I, I, there was, a, for whatever reason, I can't remember what it was, but there was a break I had to take. I think it was actually 
yeah, it was uh, there were we did a couple of um, you know my brother died, my brother passed away, and then my father passed away, okay. and I took breaks around that time. Yeah. And during that time, like everything, all of the bad habits just flooded back in. <laughs> it was like, <clears throat> so my my natural so it does take effort for me mm. to eat well, you know. Mm. Um, I will I will eat for fuel, you know. I will eat for fuel. I will eat for fuel to keep the brain going. So. I crave carbs. Mm. You know, I'm always looking for carbs. I would live on carbs. Yeah, yeah. If you know, the doctor said it was all right. But I would. That's how I would. I would live. I just. I'm just looking for fuel for the brain, um, all the time. So for me, it's like it does need to be a plan. And uh, I said, look, if I can't get anything else right, I'll get breakfast right. Yeah. So I, you know, I have a healthy breakfast every day. And at least I've done that, you know. And, and then, then might go might go skewy after that. Yeah. yeah but I'll never choose a salad because it's a burger on the menu. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> yeah. started off with good intentions as well and then yeah, yeah, it can yeah, go yeah. any any direction, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so that's really around, you know, the health, the brain, the body you know, the, the rejection sensitive dysphoria. You talk to me and, and it's great when I talk to people with ADHD because you go, listen, should we go to Tokyo in the morning? <laughs> no, let's go now. Yeah, and it's yeah. only, that's my test for people with ADHD yeah. because the ones that say I'm in have ADHD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that go, oh, listen, I've got to sort the kids out and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, they yeah. don't. Yeah. And that's the divide. And yes, it's not yeah. a separation or a divide or anything because I, I really believe ADHD is, and I, I don't like using the word superpower, mm. but I, I do believe that it helps people to go and do stuff with a sense of focus without the distraction. Mm. It's almost the opposite of what it's defined mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and a lot of things we don't do particularly well, but there's a, a phrase, have you heard of the, the phrase ADHD tax? Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think the guys who invented Revolut, and I talk about tax from a financial perspective, yeah. the guys that developed Revolut, where you can create a virtual card, yeah. do that subscription after seven days, you know, for free, yeah. cancel the card so you don't have to worry that you haven't paid that subscription, right. right? And I remember in the past being in huge amounts of trouble, signing up for stuff and then never paying yeah. it, and then having debt collectors come and chase me, yeah. you know, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. In a modern technological world, you know, you can go, oh, seven days for free. Oh, forgot about that. Sorry, yeah. but the card won't pay it anyway. Yeah. Do you have a, a, an ADHD tax thing as well? Like or a, a mechanism for avoiding it? Um, well, not avoiding yeah, it. Yeah. Do you suffer from it, right? Oh, I suffer from it. Big, big time. <laughs> big time. Oh, man. You know, and, I, and I, I never look at bank statements, you know, personally. I like doing work, you know, because I, I, you know, I've got the due diligence and whatnot. But like uh, at home, like I won't, like I remember th there was one stage I was paying something, I was paying a gym subscription for about six or seven years without realizing, you know, I'm like, what, what do you do? You know, you, like it's gone, you know, you can't get it back, you know, you no. just didn't show up. I'm like, uh, you know, it's a lot of that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, I mean, it was actually, yeah, like uh, when my father passed away, I realized how many things I'd been paying for him. I didn't even know, like, you know, cause he'd asked me. My dad didn't have a credit card or anything. He was yeah. like, you know, could you put this on? And now I've got, actually got to sort one of those out. I forgot to do that. <laughs> it's local property tax. I have to change it with my mother's name. But like all of this stuff, yeah, it was just kind of trickling out of the accounts. And I was like, you know, or I had two Virgin Media accounts. I'm like, I, what? <laughs> it's like, you, I, how is that even possible? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, uh, okay. Um, so yeah, no, it, it hits me. 
It hits me all the time, yeah. And it's and I'm not, I I just I, I'm not bothered about it at the moment. Not anymore because I know it's kind of like whatever's there. I mean, you know, uh, I you know the household side of things anyway. Um, Celine is you know she's all over that. Thank God. You Thank know. God. Yeah. Because uh, like she loves that stuff, and I'm like you know with the shivers. So. Uh, but yeah, when I when I was ranting and stuff like that, oh my god, the amount of things that were tricked. I could never understand why I was always broke. But the thing about it is, like, um, <laughs> I, what I would do is earn extra money, right? So I would do things to earn extra money. Uh, that would that would lead to adventures as well, you know, because I'd uh, I became a traveling caricaturist for a year, you know, because I was I wasn't making enough money on my teaching income, so I was like, okay. Uh, somebody came in. Oh yeah, that's what it was. I was teaching Bali Ferment, and then this lady came in and said. We're looking for students who do caricature to travel around the country. Uh, and I said, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but without a moment thought, I'll know, do it. Know. Screw the students, right? No, you can't have them. They're studying, right? I'll do it. I'm going part time here, okay? So I ended up doing that. That was great crack. Yeah. Sent all over the place drawing farmers and yeah. pubs, you know, yeah, drinking yeah. points of smittics. And uh, just stuff like that, you know, but like, uh, yeah, like, you know, it was always, like, I, I, I don't know, I always, when I was always down to my last quid, um, something would happen. Something would happen, it would always yeah. come in. It always come in, yeah. Always the same. Yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah. Always the same thing. Yeah. I was on the phone with a friend of mine in the UK this morning. He said, George, how is it every time you look like you're in the shit, you come up smelling of roses? Yeah. Something yeah. always comes around the corner. I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it always it's, does. it's spooky sometimes. It is. There, there yeah. are, like, certain things where you're like, okay... Everything is telling me this is not gonna, you yeah. know, it's not gonna pan out. Yeah. Everything is stacked against it. Yeah. Nothing in my experience suggests that I'm gonna get out of this shit. Yeah. yeah. And then I do. And then you. Do. <laughs> Isn't that right? I'm like. Okay. Yeah. And now you and now you believe it, right? It's yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, the, the belief is a big thing as well. Like, yeah. And you mentioned coincidences earlier on, and I don't know about you, but like that's a whole other podcast. The coincidences of ADHD, yes. you know, where you're yeah. in a place at exactly the right time. I don't know if it's we're more receptive, but there are some things that just don't make any sense on any level. Yeah. You know, that uh, coincidences that just sort of stack up in your favour. Um, that There's no logical way that they could. Brian Keenan well, that's, in the theatre that day? Yeah. Come on. That was, that, that was uh, <laughs> and that, that's it. Like, I'm still here 25 years later. Because, I, I mean, to be honest with you, but that, it wasn't just that. There were loads of things like that. Um, and I actually, you know what? I must actually dig out. I used to keep diaries when I had the discipline to do that. I had a journal. Yeah. Um, but I used to write them down. But yeah. there's a ton of them. Like, you can fill a book with it, you know? Yeah. And no one believes. That's the problem. You could, it's not, there's no blueprint in it. No, know? it's not. Because it's totally unique to my experience. Yeah. 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 Tell me, I have three more questions for you. Okay. And I'm hoping that I'm going to remember the three more before we go off, go off on some dots. One is, is there any aspect of your ADHD that if somebody was to set, take, take it away and say, Andrew, I'm going to take that aspect of your ADHD away, yeah. Yeah. you would be crushed, mm. right? Because, you know, we all, we all have it. We all see it's a, an advantage to us mm. as opposed to a disadvantage. Yeah. Is there one particular area that, that you know, or one particular skill or, or, or something about ADHD that that you would not want ever taking taken away from you? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to answer the question, um, what would I like them to take away from me, uh, from the ADHD? Go for it as well. Loads of those. But the, uh, what, what, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, to be honest with you, you know, it's it's that sort of, it's the, it's that kind of opportunistic impulsivity of the right? Yes. 
where I see something no one else sees and I go on it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I land on it and I get like a lamprey on yeah. it. Yeah. And I'll, wherever it goes, I'm there locked onto it. Yeah. And it all, like, I mean, it doesn't always work out, but, you know, I have, I think all of my anecdotes are based on that thing that, you know, that I just kind of go, only I can see that. And I don't know if that's um, true, but uh, but it certainly feels to me like, and I think those are the things that I know when, I, when, I, when I'm starting a project, and that's one of the criteria, you know, it's like, no one else see this? Is it just me? Am I the only one who notices this? So that's that's one of the criteria, and I find that you with those ones, those are the lean in projects. Mm. Those are the lean in ideas because people go, "What? Never thought of that." And like, of course you didn't. (laughs) That's it. Okay. So it's just you know that I couldn't because that to me is like there's so much of my sense of purpose and who I am in that thing, and I know it's ADHD. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I know it's ADHD. Is it like you spot the opportunity and you fast forward to the end and go, that's it, come back to the beginning and go, right, that's what I need to do, and no. it happens in a few <laughs> seconds. Is there another way? You have a different No, I, I, don't, I don't ever go back. That's the problem. Oh, you okay. Know, I, don't, no, I, I guess I see the thing, uh, and I just, you know, it's like, it's like um, you know, like where you're, you're looking, but you can't see below the below a certain level. Yeah. So you might be standing on hot coals or rocks or brambles or whatever, but I, you know, I'm like, ouch, ooh, ouch, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> you know, in a sinkhole or whatever, like, you know, when they come back up again or whatever, I try and fixate back on the thing. Um, so whenever I actually go back and plan the route, okay. although the thing is, reflexively, I know how to get there now without falling in as many pitfalls. Okay. Because I've fallen them all. Right, so I, I know what is likely to trip me up. Right. I still go after the thing, um, and if the things happen, they're expected things, then yeah, it's just yeah. what order they happen in. Is ah, no, I little, understand. That makes you know sense. What I mean? I so I know okay. I'm not, like, and that's the thing, I'm not afraid of being set back, you okay. know, because, you know, to get to anywhere in life with this condition, it, you're, you're in setback more than you're going forward. You have oh, very short bursts of, like, Okay, it's like the the bloody you know the, the the battle lines on the map in the First World War. It's going forward by yeah. you know a couple of couple of hundred yards at a time. You yeah. know, but yeah. like uh, but ultimately you know <laughs> there's a there's a war to win. You know, yeah. that, that that all counts. But like most of the time, yeah, it's mostly setback. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look back on my life, you know, and you, you say like definitions of success is something you talked about earlier on. I think you know one of the big definitions for me is like, just keep going, keep going, know? don't stop, keep going. Yeah, you know? that's consistent. Like, yeah, you know, uh, and and not even toward a specific goal, but just keep going, just keep going, and you know things will. I, you know, it's amazing what comes your way when you just don't stop, don't stop. and don't go backwards. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. Um, and you will go backwards, and you will slide, and all of these things. But you know, so long as uh, but I that's another thing. That's another bit of the ADHD that I have this short term memory about failure. You know that I forget that I screwed that up. You know, and last week, on. and you're moving on anyway. I'm like, and I'm moving on anyway. Yeah, I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Do you remember the thing that you did last week that went completely? Oh no, so I don't remember. I'm like, actually, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember you almost died? You fell off a cliff. No. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 whatever. You know, yeah, I'm like, you keep going. Yeah, exactly. But actually, it's like, 
it's like women say about ch childbirth, you know, it's like it's gone, it's gone, you know, I'm like, I don't have, like, it's like the, the trauma gets compartmentalized somewhere in my head, I don't know where it goes, but, uh, but I am for, I, I move on from it, I see a lot of people in life and I really would love, want to be that way, yeah. but they're held back by the things that have gone wrong for them, where we're like, oh, that went wrong, I'm not going to do this or whatever it is, I'm like, I do not have that at all, you know, in any yeah. sense. Capacity, you know. I completely share that with yeah. you. And uh, you can leave this trail of destruction behind and just keep going. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And you said there was a ton of stuff in your ADHD that you'd like to get rid of. Is there any one thing, if you could, is there one thing that springs to mind? Again, the, the podcast is about the positives, yeah. not the negatives, but, oh, no, but just I mean, to balance the, the story, isn't it? Yeah, well you can't yeah, you need to you need to to um to kind of and this is one of the things I'm developing a project about a kid with ADHD at the moment. And uh, the, the key bit for me is that um, the uh, that we don't kind of just paint it as a superpower. You know, I don't want to do that. I know there are brilliant bits of it, but I want to kind of show objectively. You know, because it's really difficult as a person with the condition to see that. You know, and to to be objective about it or step outside of the situation and see how other people see it. So what I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, with this character, I'm trying to show that, look, you know, he has the struggles, you know, he has the, there are things that are going badly for him, um, but he has this kind of, you know, laser focus on, you know, singular kind of vision about what he wants to achieve, and he will get there however mm -hmm. long it takes, but he's not going to get there as a newbie, you know, or as no story, okay? So I think um, for me, yeah, like, I mean, there, I suppose the, the, it's the, the lack of, I, you know, people say to me, God, you're so organized. And I'm like, <laughs> you think that's okay. Wow. All Perception's right. a great is thing, isn't it? <laughs> I write everything down. I write everything down, bullet journal, bullet journal, everything. Divvy it all out. Because I can't remember everything, right? Yeah. So I, I, have, I have a great memory. If you ask me like anything about sitcoms in the 1980s I can tell you who was the first grip on the young ones but like yeah I couldn't tell you you know what I was meant to be doing like yeah, two yeah, days ago yeah. so everything goes in so I have loads of tools and workarounds and things like that you know that I, I developed it wasn't out of knowing that I had ADHD these were things I had to develop in order to get to where I am right to get into my you know early 50s now you know and I'm like uh, you know I just organically kind of picked up things that worked some things I get bored with I leave them or I, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't work into the routine, but like bullet journaling is massive for me, right? Is there a technology that you use for bullet journaling or is it all handwritten? Right, I'm Mr. Pen on Paper. Are you? Yes. Okay. Now, I, I'm tempted by the Remarkable, I have to say. Okay, that, okay. That tablet, I'm tempted to get one of those. I've right. seen a few people with them, quite jealous. So, uh, but I'm not, I tell you what, I, I'm always trying to avoid blue light. Um, it's terrible, terribly stimulating to me. I have everything on dark mode, but it still, it still triggers me. So I'm quite sensitive to certain things, you know, I and mean, blue light is one of those things. So, and I would kind of scroll on my phone all day if I didn't know that, you know. And mm. so that's that's one of the things I. So I do everything on pen and paper, okay. where possible. Try and avoid looking at screens as yeah. much as I can. Yeah. And um, although I do, I know technology is brilliant for me in many ways. You know, like my timers and my calendar runs my life. Put everything in my calendar. You know, it alerts for everything. I know. Still kind of forget things occasionally, but I'm pretty good at keeping, you know, not today. All right, I'm pretty good at keeping the schedules, but not today. <laughs> no, 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 I was an hour late, folks. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, 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 but that, that, that's fine. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of, I'm terrible. I, I suffer from the other side of that yeah. time distortion. Yeah. Which is, I'm never late for anything. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you yeah. said to me, 3 p.m. appointment, that's the worst thing you can do because yeah. I can't do anything up until 3 p.m. Okay. 
the anxiety of that thing at 3 p.m. Can't, what it is. can't yeah. do anything. Yeah, Just yeah. couldn't, couldn't, because I'm so frightened that I'll miss the 3 p.m. This is why I hate early morning flights. Exactly. I won't sleep. Yeah. I know I'm, I've got to get up at 4 o'clock. Like, I'm not going to sleep. You're not going to sleep. Yeah. Exactly, that's it. Tell yeah. me, I'm just going to wrap it up if you're okay with yes. this. Just to summarize everything around ADHD, would you have any advice for anybody you know who's listening to this, who's maybe younger, maybe older, who is just being diagnosed or maybe thinks they have ADHD or mm. some form on the spectrum of it? You know of 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 how to handle that. You you often hear of people say, "Hey, you know, I've just been diagnosed. It's a revelation. Yeah, I've yeah. got a, a manual for my mind now. I can do yeah. something." Is there anything from your perspective that that you could offer advice to somebody who's going through that particular part of their life at the moment? I mean, I suppose you know I think you you know this. You see those tweets all the time. It's like you know the the the, the newly diagnosed tweet. You know, you don't see the tweet six months later. You know where where they're like they're back to their struggles and it's like yeah okay now I know how this works uh, but it you know it still is hard to get open. I suppose that, you know recently a friend of mine was um he, you know he called me and he said like I I think I have autism and I'm going I'm gonna look into a diagnosis and he was asking for some advice there and uh, well, he was he had a very similar experience he was saying like um he was afraid he wasn't autistic. You know, because we all—he was one of my my gang. You know, when I was growing up, and we were all we were all oddballs and outsiders anyway. You know, and uh, I was saying like, you know, just go with it. The the, the big thing for for him as well was um, the reactions of people, right? For me and you, George, um, you know, having been diagnosed later and having kind of played around for a, let's say to some extent, I think there's a, still a lot of stigma around ADHD right? so. yeah. and um, like I mean I know people well you've known I've had the condition for seven years and they still like either don't believe in it or you know conveniently forget every time you know whatever they're just waiting for me to drop the ball you mm. know and so you get no quarter you know so what I'd say to you is it is great and I would say there's like we met online you know through this yeah we did yeah and um, through John I think through John it was yeah, yeah that's yeah, right yeah. Yeah. and uh, you know there's great there's another kind of family and community out there. Um, don't be too worried about what your mother thinks or what your girlfriend thinks or what your boss might think. Uh, do it for yourself. Um, you know, with me, I just blurted it out. As soon as I had the diagnosis, I was like, I have ADHD! Everywhere. You know, and other people were like, no! Shut up! <laughs> but, like, I, I was in this position of, you know, you know I wasn't going to get you know, demoted in my job or anything no. like that. So there was that that aspect to it as well, you know. So, um, but that's not everybody's case. So I think you have to judge on an individual basis, but, like, know that uh, whatever you think, um, you know, that the reactions are, yeah, and it's up to you who you tell. You know, you don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to do what I did. Um, uh, and don't be held back by that, because it is a revelation. And it's and it's a it's a, it's a weapon it's armor you know in some ways because you you do get a certain kind of sense of and I think you know kind of self forgiveness is a huge thing I blamed myself for so many things that's my fault I screwed that up yeah you know that relationship didn't work out because I was an asshole whatever that was you know and um, you know I screwed up that job that's why I got fired whatever all all these things you know it's like getting your life flashing before your eyes you know. And you get that, you get that kind of, 
you still have all of that, you know, but you're kind of like, yeah, it wasn't all my fault really, was it, you know, um, actually, uh, you know, what, what else was likely to happen now? And that comes with the understanding of the condition and the diagnosis. So. It does. It does. So that w- that's what I would say. And then don't you? There is tribe out there, you know. There is. There is a tribe out there, and they're very. I have to say, very supportive. Yeah. Very I agree supportive. With that. Um, I think we're all, uh, you know, uh, particularly the late diagnosis people, because like, we've a lot of young people in the studio now, and they're like, yeah, I bet it's she. So what? And so what? I'm like, oh yeah. my god, I'm so jealous of them. You know, yeah, like, too. yeah, like it's normalized. Right? It's like, yeah, it's and like they, they all know now. Like you know, I mean, years ago, you used to go like. You know, so and so, whatever, are they on the spectrum or whatever? Now they're like, yeah, I am. You know, yeah. they have it on. They have it on their bios. You know, yeah, yeah. autistic, ADHD, whatever it might be. It's completely part of. It's part of their, you know, their their makeup. But they don't doesn't define them, and they have no stigma about it. I'm, yeah. like, I'm so jealous. Yeah, me you too know? as well. <laughs> Andrew Kavanagh. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, man. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> that was very easy, wasn't it? That was a piece of. Face to face? Let me switch the camera off. I um, okay. hold on, let me just.